History Babe Briefs. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Natalie. And we are the Art History Babes. Today's Art History Baby, we are we're going back to Egypt. Going back. Going way back. To a better time. That's probably <laughs> not true at all. <laughs> not gonna go. I'm not gonna go that far. Yeah. Yeah. But a very interesting time, nonetheless. Definitely. A time for good art. For sure. So today we are talking about the Narmer palette, the palette of Narmer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it because it sounds ridiculous, but it's actually called both. So you're yeah. correct. <laughs> also known as the Great Hierakonopolis palette was discovered among a group of sacred artifacts, which are believed to have been ritually buried within an early temple of the Egyptian god Horus at the site of Hierakonopolis. King Narmer was a ruler of Egypt during the pre-dynastic period, which took place from 3000 to 2920 BCE. That was a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. And Hierakonopolis was the capital of Egypt during the pre-dynastic period. The palette of Narmer was discovered in 1898 by James Quibble and Frederick Green. It is a little over two feet high and made of smooth gray slate or siltstone. On either side are inscribed hieroglyphs and other depictions in low relief. Compositionally, the palette is separated into registers or horizontal sections that are meant to be read from top to bottom, left to right. The use of registers in this particular style of figures was used in two-dimensional Egyptian art for the next three millennia. The palette was a utilitarian object used to apply dark eye makeup during the pre-dynastic period. Egyptians wore the makeup to reflect sunlight and protect their eyes from harsh glares. Starting with the front side of the palette, at the very top register are carved two bovine heads on either side of Narmer's name. Narmer is represented by the hieroglyphs at the top of the palette, a horizontal fish that means nar over a vertical chisel, which means myrrh. The bovine heads are believed to represent either the cow goddess Hathor gazing down on the scene, or they are bull heads to represent the king's vigor. In the second register, there is a large figure which has been identified as Narmer, directing a row of soldiers ahead. He appears as much larger than the other figures, which was a marker of power and importance known as hierarchical scale. King Narmer is also shown wearing the red crown of Lower Egypt, recognizable for its spiral shape. On the far right, we can see his decapitated enemies lying in two neat rows. So neat. Delightful. The next and largest register shows two servants handling two long-necked lionesses with leashes, The intertwining of their giraffe-like necks create a space where the eye makeup would be mixed. The controlling of the lionesses is symbolic of Narmer's power as an extension of his authority. The bottommost register shows a bull stomping an enemy. This again is seen as symbolic of Narmer as Egyptian kings were believed to be gods, and Egyptian gods had the ability to shapeshift. Whoa. Spooky. Narmer's on that palette so many times. So popular. So on, hot right now. So hot right now. Narmer is so in. <laughs> on the back. <laughs> you know, I'm just really into like, King Narmer lately. <laughs> I dare someone to say that in conversation. <laughs> on the back side, there are only three registered compared to the four on the front. The first register is repeated from the front side, and the second register takes up most of the surface. 
There's an especially large depiction of Narmer standing over a naked and kneeling enemy. Again, due to hieratical scaling, Narmer is much larger than his foe. The juxtaposition between the naked victim and the clad king perhaps denotes the victim was considered as barbaric. In this scene, Narmer is shown wearing the white crown of Upper Egypt, which kind of looks like a bowling pin. To the right, the hot god Horus is shown presenting Narmer with a representation of Lower Egypt. Behind him stands a much smaller figure holding Narmer's shoes, which is a servant. And in the bottom register lies two of Narmer's fallen victims. To the left of each enemy, a hieroglyphic sign is drawn, the leftmost representing a wall and the other not. Both are generally understood to represent names of places that were conquered by Narmer, even though we're not sure exactly what they mean and which locations those would have been. This work depicts a battle of extreme spiritual significance as it represents the uniting of Upper and Lower Egypt. The spiritual aspect is illustrated by the servant holding Narmer's sandals, as an individual is usually barefoot when addressing the gods. Furthermore, the palette was found in a temple for the god Horus, further solidifying it as a spiritual object. I also read a really interesting passage that said a lot of people would make and have art made for the temple if they had the ability to do so. So kings, wealthy, and that would be a way to like further connect themselves to the gods. But then the temples would fill up with stuff and they'd be too full and people couldn't fit in anymore. So then they'd bury them. And that's why this was found. So it wasn't like it was left somewhere and buried by time it was like buried yeah buried intentionally buried buried for horus ritually buried i buried it for you horus this is for you horus (laughs) should be the name of the episode (laughs) this one's for you (laughs) the pre-dynastic period ended with the unification of upper and lower egypt the palette is the earliest example of a king wearing both the white crown of upper egypt and the red crown of lower egypt By wearing both crowns, Narmer could ceremoniously be expressing his rule over a unified Egypt. The red crown has symbolic ties to the sun god in his battles, while the white crown symbolizes the sun at its zenith and the moon and stars in the night. In this way, the double crown also represents the early importance of the solar cycle and the king's role in this daily process. Interestingly, Egyptologists believe that the unification of Egypt took place over spans of many centuries, not under the rule of one king. So basically, this palette was designed to condense that whole history into one simplified event, all in Narmer's glory. (laughs) (laughs) That's really interesting. And I also feel like that might be more common than we think. Oh, I'm sure. This idea of whatever, you know, not even just with regards to ancient Egypt, but different religious like I'm thinking Catholicism and stuff like that, you know, just like combining elements of really long story into one to just kind of be a catch-all, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's interesting. In Egypt, we have these examples of rulers that were kind of wiped out by their predecessors, just any existence of them destroyed Mm -hmm. upon their passing or, uh, yeah, probably always passing. And that's wild so if we know of a few how many could have just been completely wiped out yeah i don't Dang. know crazy i wonder if there are pallets for them deeper that we haven't <laughs> just having digging haven't gotten there yet right oh gosh <laughs> so many pallets so many pallets <laughs> to protect those eyes <laughs> and that's also a super interesting funny thing is in art history like this 
piece, this palette of Narmer is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, it describes the unification of Upper and Lower Egypt like this huge thing. Big and, deal. And we like put it on a pedestal as a super important thing, but it was something that people used to put their makeup in. You know? And then when they were done with it, they buried it in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like this really big deal, you know? <laughs> That's crazy. I know. Egypt's such a mysterious place. Yes, it really is. So fascinating. There will be more Egyptian episodes to come. Yeah. And researching this one was just fun because like Nat and I were just talking like I haven't dipped my toe into ancient Egypt in a while. It's Mm -hmm. been like a long time. And now I'm kind of like jazzed on it. I'm kind of I'm excited by it. So expect some more ancient Egyptian stuff coming from us. And thanks for hanging out for this one. Yeah. And also follow us on all social medias and we're on youtube now you guys youtube so head over to the youtube subscribe check out our videos all that stuff and email us any questions thoughts anything but yeah thanks for listening bye from This is further symbolized on the recto, right? I don't know. Recto front? We're art historians. Well, I had it on as verso in my stuff. The Art History Babes podcast is made possible by support from our lovely listeners via Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash arthistorybabes to help keep the Art History Babes going and for access to bonus content.